We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, I'm going to bring up a super chat from one of our OGs that we have not seen in a long time on the, okay. in the chat. So very happy to see him back in the chat. David Knight. David, thank you so much. Appreciate it. If Notre Dame were to have a good year and just miss the college football playoff, but make a New Year's Six Bowl game, would Sam Harmon opt out? If he did, would you pick or be Kenny, Minchie, or Steve Angeli? That's a great question. I don't know Sam Hartman well enough to know how he would view wanting to finish his career. I I don't know. He strikes me as a as a guy yeah. who would just want to play, but I yeah. And also, I mean, guys, we've talked about this a ton. I even if Sam Hartman has just a crazy year, I don't envision him being a first round NFL draft pick. Like right. I just don't see that. Right. So right. I think that makes it more likely as well. Like yeah, he's a six year senior. It'll be his last college game. You want to preserve your health and all that good stuff. But right. I, I just don't know if he'll, he'll his stock is going to be to the level where you're just like, nope, shut it down. Like that won't, you know. Right. And I also think that, I mean, a New Year's Six Bowl game has been something that's eluded Notre Dame for a long time, right? Mm. Like I think that you look at that and you would just be like, mm, maybe they would lean towards playing it. Right. Game. But that's just my assumption. That's speculation on my part. Right. So I would sure. hope that. I would hope so, Ryan. Yeah. I would hope that he has that mentality. Yeah. But nowadays, man, I don't. Um, I don't chalk anything up. I don't assume anything about how young people are going to think and feel, but yeah, sure. I would hope, I would hope he'd be that way. Now let's just say he did opt out. Yeah. Uh, Kenny or Steve, I would hope that it was Kenny okay, Minchie I mean, just because yeah. I think he has the higher ceiling, but if Steve Angeli yeah. holds him back all year and Steve earns that right, then he should play. It's fair. And it's just self, you know, kind selfishly of for hopefully the future of Notre Dame yeah. football. We'd like to see Kenny Minchie in that situation, but you yeah. never know. Yeah. Let's get to this uh, next one. Here we go. Gideon Rosa, thank you for the question. Based on high school film, I thought that J.J. McCarthy looked better than Tyler Buckner, even when he wasn't at IMG. So can you explain why Notre Dame passed on him? Because they don't agree with you. Neither did I. Right. So, I, I mean, I guys. I, I watched Tyler Buckner's high school stuff. I've never seen J.J. McCarthy's high school stuff. I here's the reality of it, Ryan. We, we yep. do this all the time. We look back and this guy's doing this, that, and the other thing. 
JJ McCarthy, Ryan, you you nailed it brilliantly, and you and, and not only did you nail it with a fact, but you triggered a bunch of Michigan fans on top of it, which is always a fun, yeah. fun yeah. thing. There's all this hype I, about I, JJ McCarthy, and Ryan's tweet was simply JJ McCarthy threw as many touchdown passes as Drew Pine last year. And they mad at me, like I made a statement of like yeah. my. It's opinion. a fact. I didn't even say anything. Right. It's it's a fact. We're yeah. hyping this kid up. So Gideon, you you can have that opinion. You're you're more entitled to that. To me. If Tyler Buckner does not miss his senior season, I think we're having a very different conversation about Tyler Buckner. And I don't think it was his fault that he missed his senior season because it was COVID. The state shut down football. I don't know what he's supposed to do about that. I just think the lack of development really hurt Tyler. And the fact that during that year off, he worked with a quarterback coach who funked up his throwing motion. That's what I think happened. But Tyler Buckner, to me, my opinion – was a much better player on film than J.J. McCarthy. And with J.J., people fall in love with the can. He's got a cannon for an arm, and he's athletic. People fall in love with that. But to this day, he's still not an overly accurate quarterback. Like my buddy was trying to tell me how great he was against Ohio State, and I was like, dude, he went 12 of 24, and his two big touchdown passes were to wide-open players on broken plays. Like I I literally just watched that game in all 22. He was not very good against – Look, Cade McNamara was better against Ohio State. I'm going to make a statement. You agree or disagree, Ryan. Cade McNamara was better against Ohio State in 2021 than J.J. McCarthy was in 2022. He had to make more money throws in 2021. I agree. agree. I'm just talking that game, just that particular game. Right. So um, can we just it's almost like with J.J. McCarthy, it's kind of like Michigan fans are setting him up. If he does not become like a Heisman contender this season, he's going to be considered a disappointment. And I think that's unfair to him. I just don't know Mm -hmm. that he's that guy and he's going into second year as a starter and he doesn't have really great pass game weapons around. He's got okay pass game weapons around him. He does have great pass. You're trying to build your receiving core around Cornelius Johnson. He's a nice player. You want to talk about having some problems in the past game, you know, like I just, that's what kind of, it's not even that I have an issue with JJ McCarthy. It's the hype about JJ McCarthy to where he's not yeah. going to even be able to live up to the expectations in my opinion. It was and, also like, you know, I think in like late October or November, he was like, throwing, he was completing like 78% of his passes. And then his collision percentage went. Yeah. Like into December yeah. and into January. So right. yeah. You I mean I think, like, you mean when the, uh, when the schedule, Got tougher. Harder. Yeah. I, I guess I look, man, like I, I think that we should look at it like this. And this is just my opinion. He was a sophomore who hadn't started the year before that took a team to a college football playoff. It's awesome, right. dude. Great step. Can we let him play a junior right. year and see if he progresses? Like, right. man. Right. To I, your I, have point, to, I have to sit here and listen how great he is and that he's a legitimate NFL draft prospect. Like, no, insane. man. Like, let's, let's just let's see how last, this works out. Last four games of the regular season, Ryan. He yeah. 48.1% completion, 47.1, yeah. 52.9, 50.0. Yeah. Uh, you know, now did he play bad in those games? No, he didn't. But he's, you know, he's just, he's, he needs a lot of work and they're just putting so much hype on him. It's just like, you guys are setting this kid up to fail. Yeah, you are. And, and, you, are. you know, there's this, re- there's this hindsight 2020 thing that some, I'm not saying Gideon's feeling this way, but there's this hindsight 2020 thing. Well, they should have taken JJ McCarthy. Okay. Like it's easy to say that now, but right. I didn't agree with that at the time. And let's not act like Tyler McCartan, like Tyler Buckner's story has been just the, the the final chapter has been written for Tyler Buckner. We don't know that it has. So I just I just don't agree with that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Christopher Crosby, your player practice reports have been outstanding, so thank you. Curious how you how you how have Coach Gino Gadouli and Coach Jared Parker looked so far? What have they been doing differently this season? Well, it's completely it's, different from last season because they're in different positions entirely. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> for me, for I think it meant more of like different than what Notre Dame was doing in, in uh, different in different seasons. Honestly, Ryan, we've seen two full practices, and one of them was the first day of fall camp. What I would say is we're seeing some different drills. Uh, but nothing are shattering. The quarterbacks are doing a lot of pocket man- man- manipulation, but they did so last year, just some different drills than the, what they did in the past. I don't see a whole lot of things different from a style standpoint. The practice structure is the same, but that's that, that's determined by Marcus Freeman, not the offensive right. coordinator. That's this is how Marcus Freeman wants practices to be structured, and that's how a head. That's every head coach. The, the practice is set up how the head coach wants the practice to be set up, right? So I, I don't know that we we have seen huge differences on how they go about their business. It's going to be about uh, the differences that I see this year. Is it seems to be a, a little bit more emphasis on the fundamental parts of the game, as opposed to um, scheme, 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 scheme. Right? right. I think that's probably the thing I would notice differently. But if you were there. And you wouldn't necessarily because again, we only see five periods, right? They've had 14 practices. We've seen two full practices. We're not going to see any more. They got 11 practices left. We're not going to see any more of them, any more full practices. So there's a lot we're not seeing. And I'm just trying to avoid making sweeping conclusions about things that if I was, if I was on the team, I'd say, you guys saw very little of what we did in practice this day. Exactly. You know, and that's just what I'm trying to avoid. And there's a, there's a reason that, I mean, Teams show what they want people to see right. sometimes. To a degree, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like yeah. there was a play today, they were like, hey, don't talk about that. I'm like, all right, cool, no problem. Right. You know, but uh most of that stuff they hold on until we're till we're done. Irish Blooded says, What do you think is harder to achieve? A college national championship or a Super Bowl win? Now, now I would say college national championship is Same. where I would go. 
I think you could buy a championship to a degree in the Super Bowl. I mean, look what the Rams did the other year, right? They had a good foundation, and they they were yeah. able to just kind of go out and buy some players, make some trades to get their roster where they could win. Can't you can't make trades like that in college? You can't. Not yet. Like, didn't they? Then they vault. <laughs> I know, right? Didn't they? Um, didn't they add Von Miller during the season that year? Yep. yep. So they like you made that trade. So like you're you're halfway through a college football season, you can't make a trade for a Von Miller, right? Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's a different animal. I would say this, here's the, here's the better question. What it's easier to win a Super Bowl. It's harder to sustain great success in the NFL. Because there's so much turnover on a year to year basis where, you know, salary, like Alabama can go get every single best player in the country and keep them all. Can't do that in the NFL. Cause once a guy's contract is up, he now needs to get paid this amount and you get, and you have a salary cap. Salary cap. Yeah. Right. Exactly. exactly. So it's just, it's harder to maintain that in my opinion over a period of time. Sure. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I agree. I was think college football, there's a larger pool of teams, right? So that there's a odds thing there as well. Here's the other way to look at it, right? There are some teams that have zero chance of ever winning a college championship. There's no NFL team that has no chance to win a, a Super Bowl. Yeah. And for the most part, I mean, you know, Tom Brady did what he did, but for the most part, like it's kind of evenly spread out as far as like there's a bunch of teams that have won Super Bowls, right? right? Like in college football, it's right. like Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's right. kind of how it's been. So right. it's it's hard. Like if you're telling me it's a team outside of those top couple teams, it's like it's very hard to win a Super Bowl. Right. I mean, win a college football national championship. Very hard right now. Tristan Martz asks, does Benjamin Morrison starting last season, and if both true freshman Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Osbury start this season, does that speed up national championship timeline? Um, it, it would depend on why they started. Yeah. I mean, if they started because they just – like if Jaden Osbury guys, starts this year yeah. because he beats out Jack Kaiser, that means right. he's even better than I thought he was. And he was my number one ranked player in the defensive class, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty good. You know, does it – but it still comes down to, for me, quarterback, offensive yeah. line, defensive line. I mean, if if you wanted to say what guys step up that speeds up the, the championship line st- timeline, it'd be Kenny Minchie beats out Sam Hartman, Bubakar Traore starts. It'd be stuff like yeah. that more so than Jaden Greathouse or Jaden Osbury. What what if, what if, what if the question's being asked from an ideology perspective of the more willingness to play freshman earlier on yeah. to develop quicker? I don't know. Just my I, I don't think that changes my stance either, Ryan. That would just simply be yeah. well, it depends. You still got to recruit better players. Sure. You know, you still got to bring in those impact kind of players. I just think that the type of positions that move the needle for championships, Ryan, are the lines quarterback and cornerback. So, you know, like if you were to say, if let's just say hypothetically, Christian Gray beats out Cam Hart and it, it's not going to happen, right? This is, right. this is just a hypothetical. Let's just say he was so good. He beats out Cam Hart. I'm like, okay, Notre Dame is going to have a cornerback duo next year that speeds up the championship timeline. Yes. At, in, yeah. in, in that regard. But again, if the defensive line is not really good, it doesn't matter how good your corners are. Ryan, yeah. you and I have seen some teams with elite corner tandems that were on just okay teams because the rest of it wasn't that good. You know, so yeah. we shut everybody down, but our linebacker safeties and nickels got ripped up all game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just, it doesn't matter. But to me, it still comes down to lines and quarterback play is really where it comes down to for me. Next question is from Robert 
Maticek, excuse me if I pronounced that wrong. Coach B, Ryan, her early personal metrics, what 2025 recruits top your rankings overall from a Notre Dame, sorry, A, overall, B, from a Notre Dame need perspective, C, from a hopeful Notre Dame commitment lean. Thanks so much for everything. Ryan, there's still a lot of, for me, I'll say this, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of guys in the 25 class I haven't watched yet. So I think it would be irresponsible for me to say who the top overall guy is. So I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't tell you that. I'll tell you the the best players, the two best players I've probably seen so far, probably Elijah Griffin and and Bryce Underwood are the two best I've seen so far. But there's pardon. Elijah Griffin's really good. Yes. Yes. So I went one offense, one defense. You're, 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 you know, but I could list uh, – looking at Rivals' rankings, they have a guy named Armando Blunt ranked number five. I can't tell you yeah. if Armando Blunt's better than Elijah Griffin because I've never seen him, right? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm, but I, I can't comment on it because I haven't seen him. There's a lot of guys I haven't seen. Sure. Uh, what I'll say, the top guy on the board from a Notre Dame perspective, this is going to sound – because I don't really count David Sanders right now as a legitimate Notre Dame target. Mm-hmm. But of the guys that are on the board for Notre Dame right now, I, I think their top target is is from a talent standpoint was Deuce Knight. I don't know that there's a more God given talented guy on the board than Deuce Knight right now. There's other guys in the conversation, I'm sure, but uh, that would be it for me. I mean, as far as the the guy that that I consider a realistic, like is Elijah Griffin on the board? Technically, he's got an offer sure. and he talks to Notre Dame. Uh, right. David Sanders, I, I believe, talks to Notre Dame. I don't count them as realistic targets because I don't think there's any chance in heck that they're going to pick Notre Dame. Sure, in my opinion, that's that's you know. So um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I just you, think you, Deuce is Deuce is an, a big time talent. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I mean, yeah, Deuce has elite level talents. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I've said this before, and I truly believe it. Whether he ends up with Notre Dame or Tennessee or somewhere else, like. I think Deuce Knight has the most God-given talent of any quarterback in the 2025 class, and that even counts Bryce Underwood. Bryce Underwood is a much more polished and better quarterback right now. There's no doubt about that. But if both hit their ceilings, I would argue that Deuce Knight is a better player than Bryce Underwood. Again, a lot that goes into that. A lot of projection needs to happen. Right. But Deuce Knight's really, really good, man. Like, he's really, really talented kid. So, yeah, Deuce would be my guy. Um I think defensively, if there's a guy that like pops, I mean, like maybe Nathaniel Wusu Botang, like he's really yeah, special. Like that kid's special, yeah. but yeah, he'd be yeah. in the conversation. There's some really good players on the defensive board this class. I just, you know, Noah McHale's in the conversation for me. I love that kid's film. Love that kid's film. But they're in there, him and him and Nathaniel are very different players. Very different. Yeah. Very different players. So, ta- look, they just got to close, right, Ryan? But there's a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes on the 2025 board, right? That are legitimate options. They just yeah. got to close on them. That's going to yep. be the key. No doubt. Had a question from Irish Blood who says, if you could flip one non-postseason loss to a win for Notre Dame in your lifetime, which is one is it? For me, would be Clemson Hurricane game. Ryan, this is easy for me. It's 1993, um, Boston College, and there's two. There's one, one and two. Uh, the reason I go with easy 1993 Boston College is because it would have spread out Notre Dame's championships a little bit. Because the other one I could go with is the 89 Miami game. 
It's the last game of the regular season. Notre Dame's 11-0. If they beat Miami that year, they're, they're number one. They're playing for a championship, and they would have won the championship that year. That would have given them back to back, but you could just say, "Hey, look, they had that great run of two years, but you know they they weren't they didn't win another one. If you'd have won one in '88 and won one in '93, it would have kind of bookend that that era with two titles. I would have rather taken the '93 because it would have come with a different team, completely different team, and I just felt that would have kind of done more for the future of Notre Dame at that time. It just you know, but it's it's splitting hairs. But those are the two years where one game to me determined whether or not Notre Dame would or would not have won a championship. Like if I went with 05 USC, that's a great win, but Notre Dame doesn't want a championship that year because of that win. They still might not even play. We don't know that they would have even played for the championship. I still think it would have been Texas and Penn state is still what I think it would have been. Now I could, it could be wrong, but that's, that's kind of what I think it would have ended up being because Notre Dame would have had a loss to Michigan state, Penn state beat Michigan state and that head to head for the BCS would have, you know, would have lifted them, them ahead and Notre Dame's schedule outside of, Michigan and, and USC that year wasn't strong, so I don't know where the BCS would have had them if they would have played for a title. There's no doubt in my mind, because of the way that titles were determined in 88, 90, or 89 and 93, that Notre Dame plays for the title in 89 and 93, and I would have loved to have watched – because here's the thing Notre Dame would have had too, Ryan. If they would have beat Nebraska in 93 for the title – they would have been able to look back and say, you know, those Nebraska teams of the next two years were the one that kept them from being a three-peat because we beat their butts in 1993. Then they went out and won in 94, 95. Yeah. You know, because then Florida State went and beat Nebraska that year. So if Notre Dame would have beat Florida State and then beat Nebraska, they would have had those bragging rights. And I absolutely think that 93 team would have beat Nebraska. No doubt in my yeah. mind they would have beat Nebraska that year uh, or whoever else they would have played. Or they would have still played Texas A&M. And then right. just won the title because they were ranked number one and Florida State would have beat Nebraska. But Notre Dame would have been ranked number one and would have won the title. They still might have played AM in the Cotton Bowl. But man, that would have been uh that would have been the one for me. Th- those two in games my- come down to it, but it's 93 for me for those reasons. Yeah, I mean, in my lifetime, 93 BC is probably the answer. For my recollection, as far as a game that I vividly remember, it would be 05 USC, just because that was a I was a, I mean, because I was only 14 at that point too right so like that's a heartbreaking one for my childhood you know like that left a lot of bad memories it was like man we almost wrecked that winning streak and beat the best team in college football at that point and obviously i'm a notre dame fan so i hate university of southern california as well so like that would have all kind of been very very fun right so from for my recollection that probably would have been the pick but i think for the practicality approach for the lifetime aspect it's probably 93 bc i think that's a good pick as well yeah i I was going to pick a couple games from uh, different eras just from different coaches to kind of talk about i've always felt this if notre dame would not have choked that game away against michigan in 09 i really wonder how charlie's career would have been different if that team could have learned how to win that game they lost that game 38 34 they started the season four four no or four and one, excuse me. They were up, they jumped up to number 18. If they would have beat that Michigan team, and that wasn't a that wasn't a very good Michigan team, they'd have been five and oh. They'd have lost to number six USC. Even if they lost USC the same way by a touchdown in a competitive game, you you look back and say, Boy, what what kind of confidence would that Notre Dame team have had in that USC game? But even coming out of it with a tough loss, they beat BC the next week, killed Washington State, but then they lost to Navy by two. Pitt by five, UConn by three, and Stanford by a touchdown. Would that Michigan game have given them enough confidence to to have gone out and completed some of those wins? And what if Charlie Weiss goes 10-2 and or 11-1 and that year? What does that do for the future in football? I don't know the answer to that, right? 
but uh, that's one. And then the the biggest one of the what would you say is the biggest one of the Brian Kelly era? What would of be the non, biggest non playoff non playoff? Yeah, non um, non postseason playoff games of the Brian Kelly era. Uh, Clubs and Hurricanes I'll, a good one. Clubs and Hurricanes a good one. Yep. I think. Yeah, but to me, here's an interesting one to think about. What if they don't lose to South Florida in the opener? I think that 2011 Notre Dame team was loaded. Yeah. Absolutely loaded that year, Ryan. You, I mean, you've talked about this. Remember how good Jonas Gray was that year? He was their number Very two good. running back. You had yeah. Sear Wood who rushed for 1,100 yards. You had Jonas Gray. I think if he doesn't get hurt, they probably have 2,000-yard rushers that year. You had Michael Floyd. You had Tyler Eifert, Theo Riddick, TJ Jones. Uh, you you were absolutely loaded there. You had you had t- t- NFL players in the offensive line. Defensively, you still had Manti, and you still had you know you still had the guys from 2012, but you also had you had um, you had Robert Blanton, you had Aaron Lynch, you had Darius Fleming, you had a healthy Jamar Slaughter that year. You had Harrison Smith on that football team. That team was so good, like talent wise, and they just I feel like they never recovered from that South Florida game. They went out and lost the next week that against Michigan in that game where they gave the fourth quarter away. I feel like if that team would have beat South Florida, it would have been it would have. Not, I, I think that team struggled to recover from the loss of South Florida. I think if they beat South Florida, they beat Michigan, and that team was ranked like twelfth. I think that they crushed number eleven Michigan State the next week, beat Pitt, beat Purdue, beat Air Force, and then they had that loss to USC. I, I really would have liked to have seen what that team could have done. Because I think if they'd beat South Florida, they'd beat Michigan. And that team, that was now, would they have won a championship? No. But I don't know that Brian Kelly's ever had a team that would have won a championship if you could just change one regular season game. The only other one that I would consider is 2017 Miami. If Notre Dame beats 2017 Miami, Ryan, they beat Stanford two weeks later, and that team is in the playoff. And and if they'd beat Miami, it means Brandon didn't have that late season kind of collapse. And I would have loved to have seen that 2017 Notre Dame team in the playoff. Give them a month to get healthy. That and and that was just not a great year in college football. That would be the other one. And I'd probably lean towards 2017 Miami because of what I think it would have meant for the rest of the year. But my other one is I still wonder what that 2011 team could have been if they just didn't have that weird. Because remember, there was like the two-hour delay at, at halftime because yeah. of the thunder. It was just such a weird game. And I think it just messed up their whole season. That would have been another interesting one of the Kelly era. Yeah, I don't I don't talk about that 2017 Miami game anymore. So I just kind of bring that out of the memory banks. So Trajan Bandy is dead to me. I'm, I'm yeah, done talking about Trajan Bandy. I get it. I get it. Ugh. What would if you could change one game from last year, Ryan, what would it be? One game from last year. That Notre Dame wins one game last year that, that Ohio State. Play. Ohio State. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was thinking then, like Marshall because it's embarrassing, but like right. it'd still be Ohio State. It's still because then they State. don't it's it's what game would have sent them on the best direction. And I think you're yeah. right. If they beat Ohio State, they don't lose to Marshall, they don't lose to Stanford, yeah. you know. Right. Um if you and, could and take also, Ohio even State if they out, lose to, even if they lose to Marshall, I I I mean, well, if if so I was gonna say, like, even if they lose to Marshall, I, I still think that the significance of Stanford losing that game still means a lot to this program moving forward, potentially, right? Because it was mm-hmm. kind of like the last nail in the coffins, like, 
all right, we need to make some changes here, guys. Like, this yeah. isn't how we're going to do things yeah. anymore. So it would probably be Marshall would be my second pick after Ohio State, I guess. Mine would be my if I couldn't change if I couldn't change Ohio State and yeah. I and I couldn't change USC, yeah. the game that I would change is Stanford. The reason yeah. I say that is, is if you beat Marshall but still lose to Stanford, I, I still think the season is not looked at positively. But I sure. feel like if you lose to Marshall but beat Stanford, we're sitting there talking about this football team won 10 of their last 11 games or nine of their last 10 games. Excuse me. It means they would have, from Cal to USC, would have won, what, nine straight, finished nine and three, when the Gator Bowl go 10 and three. Yeah. I think that would have had a, a bigger, as opposed to losing to Stanford, because then that would have been later in the year. Whereas yeah. Marshall, you could chalk up to when Marshall wasn't that bad. And it was the second game of Freeman's tenure, but once they got going, they were they were pretty good. But but then you also say, but but if they if they don't lose to Stanford, let's say they hit a field goal late, you're still the same team that needed changes. And would that have been the thing that sprung boards you? So that's a good point, Ryan. Yeah, good it's just tough. It's a tough one to predict because things yeah. completely change if you change one of those early season outcomes potentially as well. So who knows? I agree. Hypotheticals, man. Hypotheticals. Yeah. They're fun to talk Next. about in a Friday mailbag. Uh, Irish Blooded said, what teams do you think will come out as biggest winners in the currently announced conference changes? Oh, biggest winners. I think, hmm, and I'm looking at this strictly from a football standpoint, Ryan. Yeah. I think the biggest winner of the conference real, of the, the currently announced conference changes for me would be Washington. I think Washington, uh, I, I don't know that this changes anything for Oregon. Oregon recruits nationally anyway. They get kids from Florida, yeah. Texas, all over. If a team's going to get exposure that makes them maybe a little bit more attractive, it would be Washington. Because I don't think, a, I think Washington's a bit of a, I wouldn't call them a sleeping giant because I don't think they're a giant, but I think they're a program that could and should be better than they are if they're run yeah. the correct right way. I think Kalen sure. DeBoer showed that last year. But if being in the Big Ten does have what a lot of these people hope it does, which is opens up a recruiting market. And I still have my doubts that it actually does that. Yeah. But if Washington all of a sudden can get into Texas a little bit more and get into Florida a little bit more and get into the Midwest a little bit more and just get a few kids that they're not getting now, I think that opens up some opportunities for them because they do have – it is there is talent in the state of Washington. They can recruit California pretty well. Sure. I think they're a team that could see a big jump in perception and revenue and, and those type of things. I think that – because I don't, I don't know that – the only other one that I would say would be Colorado. Cause I do think be, going back to the, pick. okay, I'm yeah. sorry. See, I shouldn't have still, oh, no, explain why Ryan explain why Colorado is your pick. Cause we're probably on the same page here. One it's because they've always felt like a big 12 team to me. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I just like the, the fit of the conference better. And also I think that if, Dion has some stay power at Colorado and he recruits at a level that I think he's capable of dipping into the Texas pipeline a little bit consistently would be big for Colorado to really turn that program out over quickly. So I think getting out of the Pac-12 with how it's kind of gone is a big step for Colorado. I think getting into the Big 12 makes a lot more sense just from a like a perce perce perception of the program, I guess, and then kind of dipping into some of those Texas pipelines as far as the recruiting prowess. Like I think that that would help really speed up that roster turnover a lot quicker than it is right now. Agree. So that's why I was thinking about Colorado. Agree. 
Luke Breeding says, if Andy Ludwig was the offensive coordinator, would Chris Tyree have been moved to wide receiver? Yes. Yeah, yeah I think so. I don't think that was only a Jared Parker decision. I think that right. was also a decision that Marcus Freeman had to say in. Right. And I don't think that would have changed. Yeah. And Andy Ludwig has also utilized like the small shifty slots in his past as yep. well. Like I think of like Britton Covey and such. Right. So, I mean, yep. he, he's had those types. As well. They ran a lot more 11 personnel last year than people think. Yeah, I would argue that you... got hurt. Brent Keithy right. or whatever got hurt. So, That's right. Yeah. That's right. And you saw them. Uh, I mean, their their number, their Jalen uh, Dixon, who's a wide receiver for them, had ten carries for 118 yards. Yeah. Money Parks is a receiver; he had six carries. I mean, you you watch the film, Ryan. They do a lot of that jet action with their slot. Well, that doesn't work if you don't have a slot that you're going to hand it off to and the scares people. Right. That's exactly what Chris Tyree would be. So, to your point, he would fit that system well. But again, I don't think it was only a Jared Parker decision. I think this also had a lot to do with. Marcus Freeman saying we got to get find a way to get number two the foot or twenty five the football and then he changed number two. I think that's part of it as well. I'm very happy he changed number two. By the way, yeah. Uh, Brian Hockney, do you think that preferred walk on Jordan Faison and Luke Talich will play on special teams this year? It's possible. I, I think right now Faison's probably a little bit ahead of Luke, just because he's a little bit more strong and kind of stout. Where Luke is really tall and skinny and. Yeah, you're gonna need a little bit more time, but it's possible. That's possible. True. I would like to see what Jordan Facetime would have been as a recruit if he wasn't a lacrosse kid, right? Because yeah. I mean, he had offers from Iowa and a couple other schools just to play football. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm kind of curious if he would have blown up a little bit on the recruiting trail if he was yeah. just a football kid. But yeah, it's a good football player. Had a next question. It's going to be from Irish Blooded. Were you a prankster in college or coaching? Best prank you pulled or just saw on a team you were on? I wasn't a prankster on like, in football as much. I was a prankster in like the workplace a lot. So like when I was a teacher, I used to like play tricks on other teachers. You glue, you glue the, the um, an easy one in an office is that you glue the pen to the desk so that when someone calls or something and they have to write something down, they go to pick up the pen and you can't get it off and they go a little bit crazy. Another good one is you take a little piece of a little piece of tape and it's when we used to have just the mouse, uh, the mice, I guess. is that, I don't know if you would make it plural for a mouse of a computer, but you would put a little piece of tape on the mouse and that that would make the sensor from stop working. So one time I did that to a coworker, a teacher that I worked with. And they were like a little bit old fashioned. So they're trying to move their mouse. Nothing's happening on the screen. And they just start smashing the mouse against the against the keyboard. I'm like, all right, that went, went a little too far, I guess. So some fun, <laughs> some fun things that you could do in an office. Did you ever things. watch The Office? Yes. The show. Do you remember the yeah. time that Jim, I think it was like Jim put, um, Jim did something to Andy and he was mm-hmm. going to smile. And then Andy just lost it. Just <laughs> like, you know, punched a hole in the wall. And Jim was like, well, I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really it was like okay sometimes they can go bad i wasn't yeah, a prankster i, uh, I, I did whoopee cushions yeah. as, as well when i was yeah. a uh, teacher as well so yeah i've messed with my parents before with like calling them and telling them stuff but i'm not i'm not really a prankster kind of guy 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. John Bertucci with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, John. Is it hard to get up to 12? Uh, wait, is it hard to get up for 12 games? What is the one game on the schedule this year that Notre Dame struggles but shouldn't even if the result is a win? Yes, it's very hard to get up for 12 games. It I is, mean, yeah. it, it just grind, is. Because there's just some weeks where you're just you're tired, you've got stuff going on, you had a big win, and you know this team sucks. But what is where they shouldn't even if the result is a win? You know, it's going to be funny, Ryan – because like somebody just said Louisville, I can see them struggling against Louisville because Louisville plays well. I mean, Louisville's got some talent. I mean, yeah, you know, should Notre Dame win that game? Yeah, they should. Should Notre Dame win that game convincingly? Yeah, they should. But if Louisville plays really, really well, Notre Dame doesn't have to play that bad to, for it to be a ball game. The right. game I could see is Central Michigan. Like, yeah, that's for Ohio State. Yes, yeah. If, yeah. Especially, especially if they just beat NC State. Hopefully not. You know? I'm going to the Central Michigan game, so I'm hoping you're wrong about that one. <laughs> well, if if I'll say this, Ryan, if they if you go to the Central Michigan game, yeah, and Notre Dame doesn't play well, I am going to call Notre Dame and have the security ensure you are not allowed in to the Duke State to Duke to uh, Wallace was it Wallace uh, Wade Stadium, yeah, because it would mean that you are the jinx because you were at the Cincinnati game in 21. You were at the, at the Marshall game, game last though, year. Last year, I was at the Syracuse game though, mm, and Notre Dame yeah. dominated Syracuse. But you were there year. working. That's the difference. You were there working. The other times you were just sitting in the stands. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I think you might. So, be the so jinx. put me in the box is what you're saying. Yeah. Do not. There you go. On, there you go. On the uh, in the bleachers. Got there you it. go. Yeah. Yes, and then leave your wife in the stands all by herself. Yeah, that'll go well. Yeah. That'll yes. go real well. Um. Yeah, but no, I I would say Central Michigan could be the one in all seriousness that I could see being that because they're just thinking about that next game and they'll still it's win. Possible, it's yeah, possible. they'll still win. Central Michigan lost a lot of players from last year's team, though, man. I think they're going to be a very bad team yeah. in twenty twenty three, but we shall see. We shall Who's see. that? Central Michigan lost a lot of players from last year. Yeah, team. and they weren't that they're, good they're last starting year. Starting running back, they're yeah. starting quarterback. Like ugh, I don't know, man. We'll see. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They're going to win that game. To so the premise was, is you struggle but shouldn't, but the result yeah. is still a win. That's the because there's a lot of other teams around that if you struggle again, if you struggle against Duke, you could lose. If you struggle against East State, you yeah. should, you could lose. If you struggle against Navy, you could lose. If you struggle against Pitt, you could lose. And there's a lot of teams on the schedule. I'd say that the three teams that they have the best shot at struggling against and still not losing are Stanford, Central Michigan, and Tennessee State. Those are you know what I mean. But again, we just saw them struggle and lose to Stanford last year. I just think yeah. the Stanford team's going to even be worse. I just this is. There's not a lot of talent on this football team. Yeah, hopefully the new coaching staff breeds some life yeah. into them, if nothing else. But yeah, they're not. They're, they're, work, they're not working with that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
Question from Matt 2011 GT. If the offensive line coach is going with Pat Coogan over Billy Shrouth because of consistency, wouldn't Andrew be a better choice? No, because I don't think Andrew has necessarily shown himself to be as consistent in, in a lot of ways. He's And he's been banged up a lot in camp as well. Yeah, That's part yeah. of it is also. And that's the definition of inconsistent is to right. not be available. Got to be healthy. So. That's right. Yep. Zach Martin. How do you think the super conferences will change how schools schedule FCS or even non-Power 5 schools, if any? Well, that's a good question. I think it depends on how they change the the uh, conference schedules. If they, if they go to 10, then I think that you're going to see them schedule those teams actually more because I think they're going to use it as justification. Well, if we have to play 10 conference games, why am I wasting a chance to lose to an SEC team? Or an right. ACC I'll team. Just, I'll just play a couple FCS teams, right? And yeah. and MAC teams and Sun Belt teams yeah. and stuff like. That. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think if it's still an eight nine team conference, then you still have to at least have one decent out of conference game. That's fair. So that because that could that'll be the worst result, and it'll happen. That's going to be the worst result of these big conferences is they're going to start going to ten games, and it's going to really cheapen the product, in my opinion. Because you don't really know how good you are because you don't play anybody out of conference. So how good are you really? Oh, the Big Ten's this, this, this. And then they go to the bowl games and they're just getting smacked in every game. Well, they weren't as good as we thought. Well, but they just occupied five playoff spots. You know, they they went 0-5. You know what I mean? But we thought they were good. That's because they didn't play anybody out of their conference. They just kept beating each other up. So I I don't think that's good for the game. But at this point in time, Ryan, nobody that is making decisions in college football gives two rips about the what's best for the game. It's yeah. about what's best for their bank accounts, and that is it. And I, I really enjoy hypotheticals, Zach. And this is like it's, it's actually just a statement. This is not push at you in any sense. It's just so hard because there's just like so many different realities that could yeah. exist. I mean, like you said, like with the ten team yeah. schedule. It's like, yeah, if we could work with that, or maybe they could just do eight, or they could do, like who knows what it's going to look like, man. I. I yeah, have no idea what college football is going to look like in five years. Absolutely yeah. no idea. I don't know what it's going to look like in two. True. I mean, really, yeah. it, it's been it's been expedited and speeded up a lot faster than I yeah. thought it was. To your point, yeah. yeah, it is, and that's that's rarely a good thing. No, rarely I mean, it's a lot thing. of rash decisions have been made. Oh in a yeah, short amount not of time. thinking yeah. through long term consequences, yeah. and yeah. yeah, yeah. Irish Gordy, now what's up, man? Uh, what has been the biggest surprise of fall camp so far? Uh, how good the, being a starter, I guess. Would yeah, mine, right. Like for yeah. me, it's how good the defensive tackles have been every time we've seen them. Great to hear. I mean, they are really now. It could be yeah. because of how the guards aren't good. It could be that. It could be that. Yeah. But you know, Ryan, it's it's not even the result because you know how it is, right? When you're evaluating players, you're not just looking at the result. That's a very shallow way of evaluating. It's just yeah. it's looking at how big they are. It's looking at how quick they are, and and it's looking at how physical they are. Their compete level. The you know are they are they missing gaps or they and we're just not, we haven't seen a, a lot where we can evaluate that last part but man they're just right. they're long they're athletic they're physical they're intense they talk a lot of trash uh and it's just like man this is a different looking group that's been the biggest surprise to me individual is, probably in like a good sense would be riley mills like i i expect riley to be good but it seems like he's been an animal so yeah. far this offseason so yeah. hopefully he's gotten a lot better that way Onye's gotten better. Rubio's getting a lot better. I told yeah. a buddy of mine yesterday, and I, and I want to, and I'll share this analogy, but you have to understand. I'll, I'll preface it a little bit more. 
because he took it as like, oh, so Howard Cross has been struggling. I'm not saying that. But in the past, and you would see this too, at practices, Howard Cross would kind of stand out because of yeah. how quick he was compared to everybody else. Right. Sure. What I said to him was, Howard Cross doesn't stand out like that anymore. And he's like, so is he having a bad camp? I'm like, no, you're missing the point. He's having a good camp. He's not cool. moving yeah. <laughs> at a speed that's different than everybody else like he used to because Riley's quick. Onye's quick. Uh, Donovan Heinish is just as quick as Howard Cross is off the ball. Every bit as quick off the ball. It's just like the whole unit now almost is just. And look, you got to give a lot of credit to Al Washington because his unit is playing in so far. Now, look, we got to continue it into the season, right? But it's played really well so far. And just, I mean, they're quick, they're active, they're using their hands. They're, you know, it, they're playing with an attitude. Uh, you got to give him credit for that. A lot of credit yeah. for that. Now we just need to see him do it when the games matter, right? That's going to be the key. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it tangibly happens because that yeah. would be also be a very good sign for Al Washington. That like, Ooh, hey, yeah, all right. He guns. Where does Jordan Faison rank in terms of speed among the receivers and corners? He's in the top fast, half of right? receivers. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty fast. He's top half of receivers, probably top four. I mean, Chris Tyree's number one, right? I mean, he's he's at the top of the board. Yeah. I'd probably put Braylon James number two. And okay. then, you know, Faison, Tobias, or probably Cam Hart. Deion Colsey. No, I'm sort of looking at receivers. Oh, um, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, because it because if it's if it's receivers and corners, I mean Chris Tyree and Micah Bell are number one. Bell. Got, oh yeah, Micah Bell's number two. Yeah, probably, Cam Hart's course, up yeah. there. You've got uh Christian Gray's up there. I mean, there's a lot of guys. But just looking at receiver, I mean, he he's he's quick and fast, Ryan. That's the thing I've noticed about yeah. Jordan Faison is he's quick and fast. He's a little faster than we saw on film because he's just getting more. I mean, just the way they're using him. And I mean, because it's, it's an individual quarterback in high school. Yeah, but yeah. it's in like an individual drills, you're going to get to turn it loose because you're not running against a defense, so you can really see the juice. But like today, he caught like a little slide round, just hit the corners, took off. It was impressive to see. But yeah, it was good. Faison. T-Guns again. I like the little picture there, Tommy, by the way. I like it's that, going man. back to Any- his high school days. I think that's him playing high school yeah. football. I like it. He's a Maslin guy, that- Ryan. Oh, really? Yeah. Maslin Washington in high school. Oh, in Ohio. Well, I had no idea. Yeah. He only mentions it every dang show and every post ever. Uh, <laughs> Any truth that all nice. three among <laughs> Any truth that all three among the other services like to start clickbait rumors on in order to draw even more clicks for their websites. More, I can can I, mean, I can I cannot confirm that that's true as far as uh, but uh, I would just say that if we found out that that was a directive, I wouldn't be surprised. But I have no idea. It could sure. just be that it's a company wide thing. It could just be that the people that run those particular sites care about that because that's what makes them money. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that that happens at there and then their sister network of of two four seven. So yeah. Kyle Barry with the super chat. Thank you so much, Kyle. Could the development of the defensive line depth and strong performance at fall camp change the season outlook, especially if the offense doesn't gel early? No, I mean, Ryan, I feel like we talked a lot about how important that unit was to this team achieving their success. So I think what we've seen yeah. differently is not so much that it changes the outlook. It's just it to me, it solidifies it defensively. For mm-hmm. me, it's like, this you and I have said this all along. This defensive line has a chance to be really good because there's a lot of talent. 
but there's yeah. a lot of unknowns. Can Riley Mills take that step? Can Patelho do this game after game? Can so, so to me, what we've seen in fall camp from the D-line doesn't change a thing for me because right. we've never thought they lacked talent. Sure. The only thing that changes it for me is when I go see them do that on Saturdays. At the end of the day, that's really all that matters. I mean, it's great that they look good in fall camp. But in fall camp, you really don't necessarily know if it's, okay, are they really that good because they're that good or the offensive line right. is struggling? Right. You'll find that out in September. Sure. Right? So it, it won't be until we see that. So, like, if if you're getting to a house, going into the house State game and I'm like, man, this defensive line is even better than I thought, that might change my outlook for what this team can be. But yep. nothing in fall camp. Because I already had high expectations for this team going into fall camp. And, and I also think that at the end of the day, Notre Dame has three to four, three of their first four games are against not great opponents, right? Teams that you should handily defeat. Talk about Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan. You should handily beat those teams. So your offense still has time to gel, right? right. You still have time to gel. And honestly, it's beneficial for the offense long-term that they've been challenged in fall camp. It's incredibly beneficial because now they have – if the defensive line is just really good and that they've been challenging the guards and the tackles and, you know, the quarterbacks and getting in their face and doing all that type of stuff on a day-to-day basis. It's going to make the offense better long-term because when they play a Clemson defensive line from this past year, for instance, right. Or a Georgia potentially at, at some point or a Michigan or Ohio state or whatever, like some of the better teams in college football, it's not going to be a shock to their system of like, dang, these guys are way better than what we've been playing all year. Like way better. Right. So I think that that helps more than it hurts, in my opinion. Tyler Evans with the Super Chat. Thank you, Tyler. How do you think the L.A. schools do in the Big Ten in late November when they have to play Ohio State, Penn State, and University of Michigan when have to travel to those schools? Well, we don't know that they're going to play those teams in November. We have no clue. Yeah, we have no idea yet. Right? Yeah. I mean, they've said who they're going to play, but for all we know, they're going to put those games earlier in the season. That may be part September of the negotiation that they have. Like, hey, we never want to play this. We don't know the answers to yeah. that. So I, I don't know that they're going to play those teams. I There's going to be years where USC doesn't even play any of those teams. Yep. I mean, probably, right? So we look, I, I can't tell you how they're going to be until we see them do it. I, I'll say this. It's not like USC has never played a cold game. I mean, it's you, you play Washington State or Washington or Oregon or Oregon State in November. It isn't it's exactly, cold. you know, yeah. playing in LA, guys, right? Colorado, like yeah, yeah some places. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is it is it the same as playing in in Northwestern in November? No, it's not. But it's it's right. like if you're Miami, if you're Alabama, you don't play games in the cold. I mean, the coldest right. you get is like going up to Tennessee in November, right? Like it's a different animal. USC has at least some level of, of understanding because when you play – now they don't do it often, but when you play at Washington, at Oregon, at Oregon State, at Washington State in November. I mean, I've seen Washington State play games in the snow. Washington, Washington State – recently there was this, uh, an Apple Cup game that was played in the snow. So, uh, it, look, it, here at the end of the day, guys, if they have the talent – They'll still be, they'll be fine. I'm more worried about UCLA than I am USC because I just don't think they have the same level talent level. Agree. It's not so much about the cold. They'll get used to that pretty quickly. Yeah. It's it's going to be about the other things. You can turn your air conditioner down in your in, indoor facility and you get know somewhat get Activates. that. You know. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, like you said, they play at Utah. They play at Colorado. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Utah can get very cold, my friends. Yep. Very yep. cold, yes. Yep. My wife loves skiing in Utah, by the way. Yeah. I mean, Colorado has more snow than some, you know, northern games that you yeah. see. Yeah, it's, so. it's, a, it's a different – I'll say this. It, having lived in Denver, it's a different yeah. kind of cold. I yeah. mean, there was a time where it was like 10 below and I threw a pair of boots on and had shorts and a hoodie on and took my trash out, which was like, you know, 50 yards away. Cause it's a, it's a, such a drier air. It doesn't have that bone chilling. Like if you Ryan, you know, yeah. it is in, in Jersey and up North. If it's five below, do not go outside. If you want to survive, you know what I mean? It's like, it is rough. Yeah. It's not like I'm like, you're, I mean, it's not safe to be out in the cold when it's that low. I'm just saying like, it, it doesn't hit you right away the way it sure. does like you i walk outside now in the winter and it just it's like it hits me it's like oh, it takes your breath away it's not like that in colorado <laughs> and it may snow on tuesday and it's all melted by thursday i mean it's, it's just a lighter sure. snow but the point is it gets cold it's still cold right. right it wasn't like it was five below when i was walking out there with you know n- no shirt on right and i'm totally fine you know like i'm not saying that it was cold but i didn't feel the need to like if I'm walking Bundle. 50 yards in Ohio, it's or I mean in Indiana, sometimes I'm putting gloves on, a hat on, your bundle, you know, sweats, yeah, uh, yeah exactly, layers. just to yeah. take my trash out. Right. It's not like that in Colorado. Sure. So Tom, yeah. Tom Connor with a super chat. Tom, thank you so much. What's your opinion on Pat Coogan's ability to pass block? When you, if you power rush him, he's he's okay. He's okay. Yeah. It's. It's handling the speed stuff that's where he's going to have problems. But like yeah. playing power, like teams that are going to play with power, he'll he'll be okay with for the most part. And the yeah. good news is that he's a guard, so he has help yeah. from both sides for the most part. Yeah. And, like, you know, yeah. I haven't seen Coogan move people, but he also doesn't get moved very easily either, Ryan. Sure. You know what I mean? Like sure. he's a big he's a big kid. It's just you don't want him having to get out in space a whole lot to me that's right. that's he's not that's you're not gonna be asking him to go out on screens a ton or you know no. work into the second not if you want to be successful agree right. agree and right, we had an i think that's it for we got to kevin barry's about the d yeah we got to his so we got this those super chats out of there here we go cool did we get the tyler evans yeah we got the la schools just to make sure we got to all the super chats gotcha we had another question from Coleman Smith who said, what are your thoughts overall on the guard battle, more specifically on Joe Rudolph preferring Pat Kogan over Andrew Kristoffic right now? Well, I just think it's, he's looking for steadiness. I think that's what he's looking for. And Coogan has been the most steady and Rocco has been pretty steady. I think that's really what it comes down to guys. I don't, I don't think there's anything beyond that. I, and I don't think Andrew Kristoffic has been as steady. I just, right. he just hasn't. Yeah, and it's so tough offensive line sometimes, man. It's so tough because there is a need, and I totally get this from an offensive line coach's perspective, there is a need to want a guy that's consistent. Like there yeah. is. It's just when the when the difference in talent is so vast, yeah. it just makes you worried, right? Like that's why it that's makes right. you worried. But I I don't blame a coach for going, I want the guy that I can count on every single day to be in the right spot. I, I don't right. blame a guy for that, but yeah, I mean, you're not getting. Especially if things are opinion, close, you're, you're talent your most, yeah. Yes, you're not getting your most talented player on the field. That's the that's, that's the right. frustrating part. So that's right. We got T guns again, Rye Rob. On a scale of, don't call me Rye Rob, by the way. On a scale of one to ten, I'm just kidding, Tommy. I love you, man. Uh, how jealous are you that you don't get to be at practice every day? I mean, I'm very, I'm very jealous to be honest. I I love practice. 
flow and I love to just kind of be around and just listen. Like I'm a big listener, right? Like I just kind of like being a fly on the wall. Cause I think that when people kind of just remove themselves from like the practice flow at times and just kind of listen, you learn a lot in very short amount of times. And I'm a football guy, right? So I don't coach anymore. It's fun to be around the camaraderie and see the guys, you know, having a great time and getting after it and competing. And so I was very fortunate last year to be at a couple of practices, which was a great opportunity and a great experience. So I'm very jealous, man, to be honest. So one of 10, I guess a 10, Tommy, I don't know, man, I'm pretty high. You pretty can always move there. here, Ryan, and you can be at every uh, game and every I practice. And I think that might be a tough sell on tell Caitlin, but I don't mm-hmm. know, man. I don't know. I don't know if Get she her wants parents to move too. It's a whole lot cheaper here in Indiana than it is in New Jersey, man. My, my parents are much more likely to move down south than they are to move anywhere midwest or northern i I was more referring to caitlin's parents since she's the one that you had you'd have to sell your dad would be here all the time your dad would move to florida and then come up here all the time to go to notre dame games with you that's That's what would be happening he probably would he probably would but yeah i don't know i don't know my my wife's more of a you know carolina weather type of girl virginia virginia weather type of girl but sure i gotcha i get that (laughs) Trust me, my wife was grew up in San Diego. Trust me, I understand. <laughs> I get it. We had a question from Arrow five one five two zero says, "I am not sure if this has been discussed in previous episodes, but have the media and fans been putting to, putting enough emphasis on the fact that we finally have the same defensive coordinator two years in a row? This is huge, Ryan. I feel like you and I have talked about this a lot, yeah. and I know I've talked about the Vince. Like this is." <laughs> It's kind of like we went from being understandably critical to, of Al Golden to like this yeah. way overreaction to how the defense was last year to this, this thing yeah. we have to convince people they, they didn't suck. They didn't suck, like, yeah. They right. didn't suck. They were a good defense last year. They were one of you the 25 best. You would think that he's best. like Brian Van Gorder the way that people yes, talk about Al Golden. exactly. Like, yeah. like yeah. they were a top 25 defense last year, Ryan. They just weren't great. Yeah. They yeah. weren't really good, which they needed to be to be a playoff team because the offense struggled. But again, they held Ohio state and Clemson to 17 and a half points in the three, three of the four losses. They gave up 21, 16 and 19 points. Yes. Right. This was a good defense last year. And the fact that Al Golden returns and so much talent returns means they're going to be better. There's a, there is a legitimate question about how good they're going to be. And that's still a legitimate question. But we've said this all along. There's really not a lot of question that they're going to be better. The question is how much better. And the point that I made is even Brian Van Gorder's second defense was better. His second defense was about four points less per game than his first defense with basically the same players. Because as dumb as his defense was, it was still better. You know, they still knew it. I mean, they gave up 29.2 points per game and uh, 5.6 yards per play. In in uh, and in four hundred excuse me four hundred four yards and twenty nine point two points per game, and then in, in twenty fourteen and then twenty nineteen they gave up twenty four point one points per play basically same guys five points fewer per game, and then defensively they gave up about thirty fewer yards they went from four hundred four to three seventy two point seven against what I would argue was a tougher schedule in twenty fifteen in twenty fourteen. You had Florida State, it's pretty good. You had Arizona State, Louisville, good USC team, North Carolina, Stanford, Syracuse. You know, 2015, you had Clemson. You had, you know, you had Navy was a good team. Stanford was a good team. You had USC again. So, uh, you know, Texas, I, I 
they're going to be better. The question, Ryan, is they're going to be good enough to go out and compete for a championship. That's the valid question. But right. like you, like like Arrow's pointing out, they had a new coordinator in. They had a different coordinator in 2020 than they had in 21, and then what they had in 22. Three years in a row with a different coordinator. It's not going. It should not be ignored. And and I would say we have definitely not ignored that. We've talked about that quite a bit. The, sure. the question that is fair to ask is how good will they be? That's the question that we don't know the answer to yet. But I, I would be shocked if this defense was worse than it was a year ago. Shocked. It's very fair. Yeah. Charlie Lynch. I don't know why I call him Charlie. It's Charles. I was just thinking about Charlie. Charles, I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> if you could add one play, player from another team in college football to this year's Notre Dame team to make the most difference in chances to win the national championship, who would it be? It'd be Marvin Harrison Jr. for me. It's a good one. Yeah. I mean, the only other one would be a guy we've already talked about, Ryan. And that's Jared Verse. It's strong ends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty good. Be pretty right. Good. Like, give me one of those two guys. But, uh, you know, I, yeah. I still like where they are. I, I think if you were to take a, a guy like him and put him in the boundary and yeah. say, okay, let's have at it. I mean, could you imagine what it's like him and it's like Sam Hartman and J.A.T. Perry on steroids is basically yeah. what it would be. Right. I mean, yeah. that would be fun to watch. That's a good that one. That would be really yeah. fun to watch. Marvin Harrison's a really good one. I think that Jared Burst would be very interesting. Or yeah. Braylon Trice, for that matter, as the sure. strong side ends. So like, could, mean, yeah. could, could Braylon Trice be in a strong side end in this defense? He's, he's up to 270 pounds. Is so. he really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah, he's a massive I take kid, that. man. I would take <laughs> yeah. that. He was like a verified this spring, like 6'3 and a quarter and 270 pounds. So, I'd take yeah, that. Big I'd take that. Yeah, I'd take that. That's bigger than the guys we have now. Yeah. Those are the two that would make the biggest impact for me, Ryan. In my yeah. opinion, those would be those okay. would be fun. Had Erica Seifert said, "Brian and Ryan, are you believing all the hype about Michigan? Seems like they are the favorites on social media. Here from well, what Big Ten? Yes, asking? yes, and no, Erica. Uh, yes, in that in my preseason ranking, I have Michigan number two because a lot of where my ranking is is looking at what teams have done, and when you look at Michigan." They've gone, what was it, uh, 24, no, 25 and three the last two years. They've won the Big Ten Championship back-to-back years. They beat Ohio State back-to-back years, and they've been a playoff team in back-to-back years. They beat Penn State back-to-back years. They deserve to be where they are now. Now, when you look at my postseason predictions for what I – when I go fast forward, Ryan, I did a Big Ten thing last week. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. I have Michigan finishing third in the Big Ten East because I have them tied with Penn State, but I have Penn State winning the the head-to-head. So that's why I have Penn State being ahead. So I have Michigan losing – I have – basically the way that I have the season playing out, Ryan, for me, is I have Michigan season playing out exactly like it did in 2016. They start off 9-0 because they don't really play anybody this year. There aren't a lot of teams that are capable of beating them. And their last three games are at Penn State, at Maryland, home against Ohio State. And I have them losing two of those three games. I have them losing at Penn State, and I think Ohio State gets back on track against Michigan this year. Not, not doesn't mean that they're going to back on track, meaning they're going to win 14 of the next 15 games. It just means it's going to be back to the way it used to be, where it was just a competitive game every year. Split. Not Ohio State had two blowouts. Michigan has two blowouts. And now, you know, so I think Ohio State's going to win. And what will be – my prediction is this is going to be one of the best – games we've seen in a long time from these two teams against each other but i think ohio state wins and so i have michigan going 10 to 2 which is respectable i think this is going to be a good michigan team i just don't think it's this 
they're going to be a playoff team. And I have a, see a lot of people predict them to be the runners up to Georgia. And I have some people I've seen even predict them to beat Georgia in the championship. I think hmm. I just don't see that. I don't, I think that it, Ryan, it comes out to me is they've lost a lot of talent the last two years. And I don't think they're replacing it with equal talent. And I think the fact that they were forced to rely on the portal a little bit more this year than they otherwise would have, you know, I just, I don't know that they're going to be that same team. I really don't. And I could be wrong, but I just I just have a hard time believing that Ohio State goes out there and just lays an egg three years in a row against them. I just I just I have a hard time seeing that. I really do. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of stuff I'm hearing from Ohio State that I'm just like I don't know about this one, yeah. man. I don't know. Like I'm I'm also hearing that Ryan Day hasn't decided who's going to call plays this season. Still, seriously? Yeah, he, he I thought that, that was yesterday. already decided. No, I think that he's still. I think it's still up in the air whether he's going to let uh, the wide receiver coach call plays this season. If I was I Brian Hartline, I'd be pissed because that's part of the reason yes. he stayed at Ohio State, isn't it? I do not think that it is a foregone conclusion that Brian Hartline is going to call plays. I think there's still a chance that uh, Brian Day might call, and that's like that's unsettling. I'd be real. Forget about and, the quarterback thing. Like that's and uh, I'll be less optimistic about Ohio State this year if that turns out to be true. Yeah, because I part of my thought on Ohio State, Ryan, is I feel like they're going to be forced to go back to being a more balanced football team because of the quarterback situation and because of the fact uh, of 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 you know, just the, the nature of what I think, you know, you do have a first time play call or that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I've pointed this out before many, many times, Ryan. I mean, you, you look at Ohio state when they were really good, like borderline championship football team. You look at that 2019 team. That was a really good Ohio state team. They had a, yeah. they had a, a quarterback that year that threw for 41 touchdowns and only three interceptions. Right. But they also averaged 266.8 rushing yards per game. Yeah. And in 2020, they were 256.9 rushing yards per game. The last two years with, you know, the arguably the best quarterback receiver combinations in football, right? Arguably, they rushed for, they dropped from 256 down to 180. And then this yeah. past year, they were at 192. And the 192 this year, Ryan, to me, was a little bit inflated. They rushed for a lot of yards against some not very good teams early. 281 against Alito, 250, uh, 252 against Rutgers, 237 against Michigan State, 66 against Iowa, 98 against Penn State. They ran for 340 against a really bad Indiana team. But the last three games, I thought their offense sputtered a little bit, and especially in some clutch moments. They ran for a buck 60, a buck 43. And the fact that they only ran for 119 yards against Georgia, to me, is why they lost because they couldn't grind out the tough yards that they needed. Now, I mean, again, they were injured, banged up. Their running back room was banged up and all that. So I get all that. But they were still relying too much on the pass even before that. And especially yeah. what's weird about that is the way that they beat Notre Dame in the fourth quarter. I thought this is going to be a wake-up call to Ryan Day that you need to rely on the run. And he did early, but once they got to the toughest part of the stretch in October, it went back to being what he was before, which is we'll run all over the team that suck, but in the games that matter, I'm going to get real pass happy. And I yeah. don't think that's a, an ideal place to be. For Ohio it's State. it's really unfortunate, but I I kind of think that Michigan's going to repeat as Big Ten Ugh. champs. I don't know, like I I don't like saying that, but I just I think they're a mentally tough team as, they as far as like Big Ten wise, right? Like they're a mentally tough yep. team. I think you have a quarterback coming back. I think you have two dynamic running backs coming back. You have three starting offensive linemen and a couple talented transfers coming in, which Sharon Moore has shown that he can develop offensive linemen mm -hmm. at a pretty nice rate as far as getting the most out of their abilities defensively. Junior Colson comes back. You have the defensive tackles that are both coming back. You have the starting corner, Will Johnson, coming back. You have Sandstrill, the nickel that's coming back. 
just a lot of good players coming back on Michigan, unfortunately. I think the issue that I have is I don't think they're going to be very good rushing the quarterback in the bigger games. They don't have yeah. kind of that guy. I think not. I think DJ Turner is a much bigger loss than people think it's going to be. Not that DJ Turner was a great player, but look who's yeah. replacing him. That's the thing, Ryan. It's not always about what you lost. It's about who's yeah. replacing him. It's a Morian Walker. That's who's replacing him right now, as of right now. I don't know that I love that if I'm them. Uh, and and just the fact that I just, again, they've had to rely on transfers more than they needed to because they had about three years of just mediocre recruiting in a row that they're yeah. using the transfer portal to recover from. I, I think the other part of it too, Ryan, is I think that when I look at like Penn State, it's just the talent, the athleticism gap to me is going to grow this year with Penn State. Penn State I, had some I just really young them. athletic guys. Yeah. Just can't trust them, man. Yeah. Just can't trust them. I love the talent. But I think if, if you ask me who's the most talented team in the Big Ten, I would say Penn State this year. But I, I would say I you could argue them. their depth of talent at multiple positions is better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, because like I think their athleticism at linebacker or talent at linebacker is better than Ohio State's. They, I think corner, I would say the same thing. I, where I like what I like about Penn State this year, Ryan, is I think they're going to be able to run the football really well sure. sure and they haven't been able to impose their will in past years they also their schedule works out pretty well because they get michigan at home and if you go back and look at penn state has given michigan problems at home even two years ago when penn state was seven and six and michigan was a playoff team that's a 21 to 17 game it was a hard fought sure. game and i just look at that team and i just i think penn state's going to be able to line up and say we can play big boy football again and, and I watched them the way that they played against Utah. Because remember last year, I beat the drum about Penn State being overrated all year last year. And I believe it to be true. They were not overly competitive against Ohio State and, and Michigan. When the games were close, it was more about those teams not playing well than it was about Penn State playing well. Mm-hmm. But I just want – I like the way that their offensive line played late. But they lined up against Utah and took punches and gave punches. And that's just something I hadn't seen from Penn State in a while. Sure. And with the talent they have coming back, I just – they don't need Jarrell to be a stud, but he's going to be able to do some things that that Sean Clifford just couldn't do, in my opinion. And I love their defense, their talent. They have come. I mean, Abdul Carter is a sophomore now. Crazy you talent. Know, yeah. Oh, they're going to have a lot of talent. And I just think that they're going to win. Now, I still have Penn State losing two games. Don't get it twisted. They're still going to have, they're going to lose to Ohio State at Ohio State. And I actually have them losing to either Illinois or Iowa in September because they have a back-to-back stretch of at Illinois and then home against Iowa. I think they'll drop yeah. one of those two games because Penn State always drops a game they shouldn't drop. I think it'll be one of those two games, I, but I think they beat Michigan. And then I think they lose to Ohio State. But I, that's where I'm at with them. I, I hope you're right. I mean, I've been I've been waiting for Penn State to take that step. I just, yeah. man, I just well, but, don't but, know if I can trust James. <laughs> I, I agree, but if you look at James's history at home against Michigan, sure. even some of Michigan's good teams. Yeah. Now, where like, they've guess, had their, their butts kicked, and it's been a weird series. Like, Penn State blows, blows Michigan out at home, and then Michigan blows Penn State out at home. It's a really sure. weird dynamic. But, yeah, I, it's, I, it's I guess I, I guess just on paper, I look at it and I say, like, there's no reason Penn State can't win the Big Ten this year. If I'm just Agree. talking about talents. But Agree. I, just, I just don't think it's going to happen. Would you say this? Yeah. If you flipped head coaches, Michigan and Penn State, is Penn State your pick to win the Big Ten? Yeah, probably. Yeah, Harbaugh's a weird dude. Tough. Yeah, Harbaugh's a weird dude. But you, you even yeah. just said it. His teams are fi- his, especially recently. His teams are physically tough. Yeah, they are disciplined, and I think 
that was the big reason he got rid of Don Brown. It was hard for him to have the kind of defense he wanted to have with Don Brown. Not that Don Brown's not a very good coach, but Jim Harbaugh is a let's line up, let's do things, and then we can be aggressive, right. but there's going to be some sanity to our aggressiveness. Sure. And Don Brown was a risk taker. And and I think the Josh Gaddis uh, OC experiment was also a, a problem. And yeah. I know he went to the playoff and all that, but I think that was more about Harbaugh than anything else. I just I think he his teams are they're back to being what they were early in his tenure, where yeah. they were physical, like you said, Ryan lineup, and and then the the talent level's been good. He's made some really good hires. Yeah, Sharon Moore. I was like when he made that that promoted Sharon Moore. I was like, what is he doing? Right. You just got rid of an experienced offensive line coach and you're replacing him with a guy that was a tight ends coach who's never coached offensive line. Well, what has Sharon Moore gone and done the last two years? It's been excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse Mincer did a really good job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, really? So. And they're yeah. such a they're much a more they're a much more sound defense now. That that doesn't yep. mean they're not aggressive, right? Because yeah. they are. They get the most but, out of their defense too. Right. It's not like outside of Will Johnson and a couple other guys, I wouldn't say they're like physic like I think the junior Colson kid, the linebacker, is very talented. I think Will Johnson's very talented. I just think the one defensive tackle is very talented as well. But other than that, like there's Chris Jenkins, pale dudes. Like yeah, Chris Jenkins Jenkins is very talented. Yeah, he's very he's very talented kid. But outside of that, it's just like just play hard, man. And that's my concern with them this year, Ryan, is because the teams I have them losing to are teams that are athletically can expose them in ways that they couldn't do in previous seasons. In my opinion, when I look at Ohio State and and Penn State. Because I think I think Penn State's going to have a really good defense offense this year. Now the question is going to be if if I'm going to be right, Drew Aller's going to have to make some plays with his arm because you're not going to line sure. up against Michigan's defense and just run it down their throat for 250 yards. I just don't see you. Yeah. You may have that like anomaly game like Notre Dame had against Clemson last year, but you're going to have to be able to make some plays with your arm. You're going to have to make some throws, and and I just think they have a quarterback that's capable of doing that more. <laughs> is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. 
serving collectors since 1945.